That's true. Probably in the ballpark of 80 to 90 units. You were doing 80 to 90 units by yourself before you brought in your first admin. Correct. And then I had some pretty organized systems. Oh, we, we, I, I was very organized and still today. Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent, and welcome to Success Calls. This month's top agent is Tammy Hines with Tammy Mitchell Hines & Company in Columbia, Illinois. Last year, she closed 357 transactions with a total sales volume of $66 million. Her average sales price was $186,000, of which 42% were buyers and 58% were sellers. She has a 12-member team. Welcome to the call, Tammy. Hey, thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Tammy, it's great to have you. You're excited to talk about your business today. Before we talk about what you're doing now, though, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, that was sort of a lifetime ago, but I was a television reporter and weather girl. That's what I went to school for. And um, I found that it just was not my thing. I loved the job of it, but I did not like the behind the scenes um, ethical dilemmas that I was faced with because here's the story, but the news director wants to put a little twist to it. So that wasn't my thing. So I got into real estate. My dad owned a real estate company, said, come back home, get your real estate license, find out what you like to see if, you know, basically do that to make money so that you're not living at home and then go back to school and find out what you want to do. And I just fell in love with real estate, had no idea, even though he had been in it, it never occurred to me that I might like. <laughs> That's wild. So you grew up around it, but it, it didn't click until you actually jumped in. Exactly. And so his advice to me was watch the other agents in the office and do just the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the first year I closed like 45 transactions. I was rookie of the year. Um, I think back in the day that was about 4 million in production and I just, I went from a job making $15,000 a year to making $45,000 a year. And I was just in love. <laughs> that is awesome. 45 closings your first year. What were you doing to make that happen? Well, um, I went to a few conventions, talked to top producers. What are you doing? And one of them was just finding a farm area and farming it consistently every 30 days. So it didn't matter. I'd be out if it was snowing and it was day 30, I was walking in the snow, hanging them on the doors. And of course, back then you could get by with like photocopying. Um, I made up recipes and then I'd photocopy them and I'd put a pencil in the bag, just really simple, inexpensive things. But I hit those same groups of people for three different neighborhoods every 30 days. And so it didn't cost me a lot. But I was able to do it. Then I decided I'm going to get postcards that are fancier and I'm going to um, get advertisers to go on those postcards to help pay for them. And then instead of having photocopied recipes, I had really nice recipe cards. And so I did that. I did open houses almost every weekend. Um, I didn't have the listings necessarily in the beginning, but other agents would allow me to have their house open. And it wasn't that I sold the house from the house that I was hosting, I got buyers and getting buyers was huge. And I got them in my pipeline and I did not let them go. I, back in the day, we didn't have email, so I couldn't just email them the new listing. So I'd print out everything they were looking for every two weeks and I'd mail it with a little note, handwrite the envelope and all of that. So just, you know, really simple things, but it was the consistency, I think, at which I was doing them. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Wow, that is great. And what was interesting to me is that you jumped in on the, the listing side, the seller side right away. Um, how did you know to do that? 
Well, I don't know that I knew. I think I was just dumb and I thought anything that I can do that will get me clients is great. It took me four months though to sell my first house, even though I did open houses every weekend. The other thing I did is I would, the office wouldn't open until 11 on a Sunday, but I would go in at nine o'clock, open up. And if there were people driving around who wanted to stop by early, then they could. Um, but I think it was just the consistency and working probably 70 hours a week in the beginning, just finding that farm base and doing some research on what neighborhoods sell, you know, where they turn over a lot. And so I probably worked 70 hours a week in the very beginning, but then that just caused me to be able to work 70 hours a week, not necessarily all prospecting, but showing and doing all the other things that have to go along with it. See, so 45 homes your first year, what happened the second year? Well, it went up, but I honestly don't know. I have no idea what my numbers were the second year. I just know they were better. And at that point I wanted an assistant, but I, and the person I wanted, I kept saying, I can't afford you. I can't afford you. But on year four, I finally decided I can't afford not to hire you. And so that's, and that, that was probably about 8 million. And then I went from 8 million to 13 million after I hired my first assistant. Wow. So you almost doubled with the first administrative assistant. Correct. It was amazing. And she was amazing. Although I have to say I had the systems in place. So I had set those systems up because even doing 8 million on your own, if you don't have systems in place, you're not going to be very successful because you're going to have a mess and people aren't going to be happy. But I had the system. So when she came in, she was able to take those systems and give me the freedom then to go out and work more buyers and take more time with those buyers. The 8 million that you were able to do on your own, what volume was that? What, because 8 million does, means a lot of different things where you are in the country. What kind of units? That's true. Probably in the ballpark of 80 to 90 units. You were doing 80 to 90 units by yourself before you brought in your first admin. Correct. And then I had some pretty got organized up. systems. Oh, we, we, I, I was very organized. And still today, it's hard for my team because they think that I, this is what they'll say. You're like some superhero who says, I'm going to jump off this building and fly. Well, you can fly, but nobody else can just fly like that. But I think it comes down to having those systems and following those systems for everything, treating everybody the same, doing the same thing with everyone. And of course, there may be things that we have to do differently to accommodate someone. But for the most part, it's just doing the same thing over and over and always looking out for the client's best interest. Looking back on it, you didn't bring in your first assistant until your fourth year, but you were very productive right off the bat. Uh, do you think that you should have brought in an assistant earlier? And if so, at what point? You know, that's a really hard question. Um, probably around $6 million I could have brought her in. But I also wanted to be financially secure or stable where if we had a bad year or there were a few bad months that I didn't have to worry about laying her off. So it was really important for me to be in a situation where if I didn't bring in enough that I was still able to cover her salary. So I guess for me, it, I could have brought her in earlier, but it was more comfortable to wait until I was at 8 million. And then the light bulb also, the light bulb also went off where it said, hey, I can't afford not to have you. So maybe somewhere in between there might've been better. And those were the, the early days of team formations and we're kind of going by the seat of our pants. Mm -hmm. uh, and so today an agent would, it'd be a little easier because there's a lot of transaction management that you can farm out on a, a per unit basis. And right. I don't think you had that back then. Is that true? That is true. Um, we did hire eventually a virtual assistant. That was a little challenging for us though, because I'm kind of hands-on and not having somebody there every day and having to email it was just difficult for me. Not to say it wouldn't work for other people. I'm sure it does. And other people are very successful at it. But for me, it was more of a, I need somebody in the office. Um, so I, don't, I think it really depends, too, on how many units you're doing. Because $8 million when you're only selling eight houses a year may not be as important as when you're selling 40 houses a year or 80 houses a year. Sure, that makes complete sense. Well, let's do this. Let's let's move forward to today. How long have you been in real estate now? Oh, to 95. So what would that be? Um, 20 some odd years, like 23, 24, I don't know. 20, <laughs> 25. <I think> 24. <laughs> wow. Right, That's right. fantastic. So 24 years. So you're a veteran for sure. 
And tell us about last year. How many homes did you sell last year? And what was your sales volume? Oh, goodness. I should have that. I have that right here. I should know that. Um, last year, 357 houses. And that was for our market was 66 million, just a little bit over 66 million. That is awesome. And do you recall what your GCI was? I'll look over here. 1.4 million. <laughs> I don't know. I am not really good at remembering those kind of numbers. So I had them written down. <laughs> that is awesome. Now, and I asked you earlier, so everybody knows I asked you earlier to pull some stats. So thank you for doing that. Correct. And so could you tell us what your best year was, what the year was, the, the units and the volume? So our best year, I apologize for having to look to the side, was 382 units, which was 2016. Um, and that was right at 64 million. That so it was the highest on units, but not on volume. So it just goes, it went back and forth between 16 and 17. Well, two fantastic years. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. And I assume you've been able to do that because you brought in a team and we'll talk about your team later and the dynamics of the team. Uh, very, very nice. Now in your career, uh, I think I asked you to go back. Did you have a chance to look at what your, your total units or total volume was over your career? All we have in our, for our marketing is it's over a half billion. So it's somewhere between a half billion and a billion. I don't know exactly where it is. I have somebody who could have told me that if I would have gone back and gotten an exact, but I don't have that. Uh, that is you know, awesome. We were, let me say it this way. We were at a half billion probably two years ago. So anyway. It's, it's definitely above that now. You're on your way. Pretty soon right. we'll be talking about the billion-dollar agent. Um, when we talked earlier, you know, we, we went back and forth with some information before the call, and you mentioned something that was interesting to me. You said that the price doesn't matter. What do you mean by that? So when, when my dad was training me, he said, Tammy, don't worry about the price of the house because we have some markets where a house might be $40,000. He said, don't worry about the price. If you take care of the people, the money will be there. So I have always believed take care of the people and who cares? You know what? We may work really hard on a $40,000 sale, but we may not work nearly as hard on a $300,000 sale. So it all works out at the end of the day. And I think people really appreciate that. And it makes yeah. me feel good too. I really, I love, and actually the people buying those $40,000 houses are so appreciative and so kind that it just makes your heart feel good. Absolutely. And from a business perspective, you don't know where that's going to lead. Uh, they may know somebody who lives in a $3 million house. Absolutely. And we, well, we don't have $3 million homes here, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but I always say, you know, plant that tree, that seed, and the trees and the roots will grow from that. So exactly, same thing. Yes. Very good. One of the other things that you had mentioned that we should talk about is saving for a rainy day. What, what's that all about? So I like to have at least six months worth of bills in my business checking account so that, I mean, look, look back at 2008 and nine and 10. During that time we were, because we had the money put aside, we were able to continue on the marketing and push forward on marketing when a lot of people were pulling back. So it makes me feel good to have at least six months worth of bills for the business in the business checking account. And that's smart. And it probably took a little while to build that up. Uh, you had to sacrifice a bit to have that. Why is it not uh, a year? Why is six months? What's the magic about six months? It's just a number that happened. In, like it just was a number that was easy for me and it made sense. And the number in my checkbook, I can always keep it close to that. So, and I watch those numbers every month. I pay my own bills. And when I pay my own bills, I realize, you know what? Are we even using that much anymore? Is it worth it? So I'm always look. I, I look at the budget portion of it all the time. Well, it sounds like you're also cutting out things that you don't think are successful or that aren't working. Right. Or we add on to those that have been successful. But how one of those? You, go ahead. How often are you reviewing your your profit and loss, your P and L? Uh, the P and L portion of it, probably once every three months. Like so once, once a quarter. quarter? Yeah. Okay. I don't have an exact date, but my brain just kind of tells me about, hey, I need to look at that now. Uh, very good. Uh, are you doing your own accounting or do you have somebody else do that? Well, I do my own QuickBooks is how I keep track of everything. But we have an accountant who does everything. Towards the end of the year, I have a meeting with them because I want to make sure that I don't, I don't have a penalty because I've, some years we make more and we need to pay in more by the end of the year so I don't have a penalty. So we always do an end of year 
accounting meeting. And then, of course, then we meet in the early, early in the year. And then you he ever, does my taxes. You know, taxes are kind of an interesting thing. And especially in our business, people, we don't have somebody right. else withholding it. So we often make some mistakes, especially early on. Did you make mistakes early on with withholding on your taxes? I did make mistakes on withholding, but I did make a huge mistake that I didn't realize until I went to, I believe, one of Chris Bird's conferences. And he had said that you need to have form a corporation or an LLC because when you get to a certain point of income, you don't have to pay Social Security, I believe it is. I think it's Social Security tax on any number. Back in the day, I think it was over 92000 That number is higher now. But I was making like three or $400,000 and paying Social Security on all of that, which was, I think, 3% or so at the time. That was a lot of extra money I wasted. So, of course, I got rid of my accountant at that point and got a new one because <laughs> my accountant should have told me that. Chris Bird didn't need to tell me that. <laughs> but thankfully, he did. <laughs> yeah, so, Chris yeah. is awesome. He, he gave us so much great info over the years and yes. still is. He's still doling out great info and great ideas. Absolutely. Yeah, he saved a lot of realtors a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, let's do this. Let's talk about where you're at. So where is uh, Columbia, Illinois? Columbia is about 20 minutes outside of St. Louis. So we're on the Illinois side. And so we're kind of like just this little um, suburb of St. Louis. Very nice. And what's your, uh, tell us a little bit about your market. So we're looking for things like what's your average price, uh, type of homes that you're selling, uh, the days on the market, and if prices are going up, down, or flat. Okay, so I just looked at numbers this morning for to see where we ranked, which right now we're number three in our um, in our board of realtors. In I realized our average sales price went from I think one eighty four it was last year, one eighty seven up to two hundred. So we're like, yay! Um, our our house values. So I'm in Columbia, but I don't work just Columbia. I work a pretty bit. I work two count, actually three counties, four counties. And, um, but in my immediate area where I live and where our office, first office is, I would say average sales price is about $250,275. And our average days on market are, well, if it's, a, it's, if it's in a hot area, it's going to be sold within a week. But otherwise, if it's overpriced, it will be on the market for probably three months. The more expensive homes, like over 450, those are on the market maybe six months. They're really tough to sell right now. Do you see your market speeding up, slowing down? What's happening? We see it speed up every March, April, May, and June. And then it's been fairly flat for the last two years during the fall and winter. Not that it's bad, it's just pretty flat. Now, you mentioned you're working in multiple counties. Mm -hmm. uh, you also said you're, you're in Illinois, but you're close to the border in St. Louis there uh, in Missouri. Uh, do you have licenses in two states or just the one? I don't. I just have it in Illinois, and all of my realtors in my office are just Illinois licensed. And part of that is it's just I, I want to know one market, and I want to know it really, really well. So do you refer out business if people want to buy in St. Louis? We do, yes. We have several realtors in St. Louis that we refer to, and they do a great job. Uh, very good. Fantastic. Let's do this. Let's uh, shift gears, and let's talk about marketing and uh, some of the things you're doing to generate leads and bring leads into your business. Uh, first thing I, I think we should talk about is uh, your past clients and sphere of influence. I assume it's a large percentage of your business. Can you tell us what percentage that is? Oh, I'm bad with percentages, but I would say it's in the ballpark of about 15%, 15, 20. Okay, very good. Could you tell us what you're doing with your past clients? Uh, first of all, how many do you think you have past clients and sphere of influence? In the do you have a database? And if so, how many people are in there? We do. We have about 2,500 in our database. And the biggest thing we do each year is we do pies at Thanksgiving. So we send out a postcard to all of our past clients, and then any of the people who want to RSVP for an apple or pumpkin pie, they let us know, and then we have those. That's the best day of the entire year because we get to see everybody that we have not seen in a year. <laughs> so that's a lot of fun. And then, um, and it's fairly inexpensive marketing. I think it may cost us in the ballpark of 2800 
a year to, to do all of that. How many people do you invite? How many people show up? So we usually get about 250 people that show up. Actually, this past year, I think we hit the 300 mark. So let's just say 300, and we send out about 1,500 postcards. Okay, and then they have to RSVP, so you know how many pies to get? Correct. Okay. And then uh, tell us a little bit about that process, the invitation process, because the power of the party is having the invitations and making all those contacts. Tell us what your process is for inviting people to the party. Well, every time there's a closing, we put the buyer's or the seller's name in our past customer list in alphabetical order. And then we just print off that list for pies with, in, um, with labels. And then they give them to me. I take everybody off that I don't either. Some of them have passed away and we forgot to take them off, but I'll know that. So I usually take them off or if they're out of state. Now, I probably should be mailing them to the out of state people too, just so they remember me, but I don't. So I'm not perfect. Um, so anyway, I go through the list and then we put them on the postcards, we stamp them and we mail them. And then they start calling in. And we have to keep very good track of who's calling in. Do you want pumpkin or apple? Get the name, get the spelling of the name. And then um, we usually order about 15 extra pies of each pumpkin and apple because there are people who come in who forgot to RSVP. Hmm. And we don't want to turn them away. <laughs> right. So you sending out a postcard. How soon before the event do you send out the postcard? We send the postcards on the 5th. And they have to RSVP, I think, by the, like, 19th. Okay. So that's, like, um, November 5th? Say that one more time. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Is that November 5th? November 5th, and they RSVP by about the 19th. And the Sam's 19th? only needs, like, a day's notice, typically. So we about three to get weeks out? Days. It's about three weeks before that you send that postcard? Right. Do you just send the one postcard or did you any other promotion to let people know? Okay, so I don't do the marketing side of it, but I believe we put something on Facebook about it. I could be wrong. Um, but no, we don't mail anything else. That's it. So it's just the postcard, the RSVP. Maybe you got something on Facebook. They're contacting you. You're tracking it, ordering it. And then you go to the event and uh, you meet and greet. Is so is it happening all throughout the day or do you have a certain uh, number of hours they need to come through? So we, we used to do it on Wednesday before Thanksgiving, but then what would happen is we were stuck with so many extra pies because people forgot to come by. So now we do it on Tuesday so that we can call the people and say, hey, I think you forgot your pie. Come on by. But we usually do it from like nine until six, I believe. So it's all day long. Right. But you mentioned it's a great promotion. Are you getting, you're making a lot of contacts and reconnects with people. Are you getting business out of this? You know what? I'm so bad about tracking. Sometimes I can't tell you for sure that we do, but I know that those people still do come back to resell their house or to buy a new one or their kids do. So I, nobody ever says we, I referred so-and-so because you gave me a pie, but I think it's just being there in front of the public and being out there that gets us the business that we get. Uh, very good. Let's do this. Let's talk. Uh, let's expand this a little bit and talk about all the marketing you do throughout the year with your past clients and sphere of influence. So you've got the Pi Day event that's happening in November. What else are you doing throughout the year? Could you give us kind of your annual marketing plan for past clients and sphere of influence? Well, we do at Easter. A lot of times we will do um, an Easter Bunny event, pictures with the Easter Bunny. But that's also for the public. It's not just for past customers. We um, have the moving truck that all of our past customers can use to move for free. So even if they're, they sold with us and now their kids needing it to go off to college, they can use it. Um, we do, uh, this is not past clients though, but this is just another little event, but we'll go to the daycares with Santa and the little elf. Um, but other than that, I think for past clients, that's really all we're doing. We used to do a newspaper that was sent to all the past clients. We've gotten away from that, and I think we need to get back into being able to market to our past clients. So that really was important. Was that? So, uh, I'm very honest. If I'm not doing something, I should. Sometimes this is also self-discovery, and I'm thinking, wow, we need to be back to doing more for our past customers. 
Uh, this is fantastic. And I appreciate the honesty because we want to know what you're actually doing, not what you think about doing or what you forgot to do. But so th thank you for letting us know. You're getting a pretty good amount of business, about 15%. I think you said 15, 20. Uh, so that's maybe 50, 60 transactions a year. Right. And, and I'm only really hearing one event, right? One contact. So right. are but you we're in the community. Or, uh, phone calls or anything else to your past clients? No. Now our buyer agents, I should say this, I don't, but our buyer agents do have a plan after they close with a buyer. They're supposed to be following up every, I think, three months. And how many people do you have as past clients in the database? Right at 2,500. That's past clients, just past mm -hmm. clients? Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think you know, I'm just kind of doing a little step aside here. You should be getting a lot more business out of that. We should. You're right. right. <laughs> so, so I need to ramp it up. <laughs> you're right. We do. You're already doing an amazing amount of business. It just uh, I was expecting a much higher percentage from past clients. So uh, Right. And I hear, and listen, I hear from people all the time. You know, when I listen to a podcast or whatever it is that I'm listening to, where their number is so much higher than ours. So I've always thought, why is my number so much lower? But maybe I, I just need to really look into that and do something more. My guess from what you told me just now is just mm -hmm. a little more contact. Get in front of people once a month somehow. Kind of like you were doing with your farm in the early days, right? The right, days. exactly. Go back to the basics. Go back to the Absolutely. basics. Absolutely. I say that all the time. We sometimes just need to get back to the basics. That's awesome. Wow. So we, we found a way to grow your business and I it's already it. huge. I'm going to do that. I'm going to take my notes now too. <laughs> that is cool. That is cool. Um, well, again, thank you for walking us through that. Oh, let me ask you this. When you're doing the the, when you're meeting with your past clients, like the Pi Day event, are you right. asking for referrals or are they just kind of happening? Okay, so I don't ask for referrals. I know I should do that too, but I don't. Um, I just meet with them and like love on them, you know, how are you? Asking about the family and things like that. I will yeah, tell you though too, because I don't personally work with buyers and sellers anymore. It's getting harder because I don't know the people coming in because they're new to me. I may know their name from working, watching the paperwork, but I don't know them by face. And that's a little hard. Uh, that, that's good, though. You're there and uh, uh, making that happen. I like that event. It's such a great one. It's probably the most popular event, the Pi Day event. Right. And, um, and what a good idea. Let's do this. Let's switch gears then and talk about some of the other ways that you're generating business and bringing business in. Uh, I think that you mentioned um, radio ads are working really well for you. Could, could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the radio? Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. So we are on three, sometimes four different stations. And what we try to do is pick up remnant ads because the remnant ads are a lot less expensive than the regular ones. Now, we don't have control of when they run, but like KMOX is a big AM station where we have the Cardinals and, and a lot of talk radio. We pick those up for a dollar and add for a 30-second spot. Wow. And we just don't know when they're going to run, but we have them running, um, I think one an hour, but I don't think we have them running during the day. I think they start like at six o'clock at night and run till 6 a.m. in the morning. Wow. But I have a ton of people who tell me they heard me on KMOX and because KMOX is so well known and respected in this area, they think I spend a fortune and I spend a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> that works great. It does. And then we're on other radio stations and then I record my own commercials. I usually write them and record them. And we have a lot of people who call us from the radio. Wow. So tell us, what are you, what are you talking about? You said you're recording your own. What are these ads? What are you doing on the ad? What are you saying? What's happening? So we either focus on the ad on either the buying side or the selling side. Sometimes there will be a Tammy's tip where maybe I'm trying to explain how they can clean the grout in their kitchen with their, between their tiles. Or it might be regarding a buyer, but we always end everything with um, buy or sell, 
buy or sell a house with me, use my moving truck for free, and or we sell a house every 30 hours. And that we sell a house every 30 hours is on a lot of, well, all of our moving trucks, our vehicles that our agents drive, things like that. And that's what people remember. Even our billboards now say selling a house every 30 hours. And I assume that you could use any number if you just did the math. Uh, in the old days, did you use a different number selling a house every 100 hours or every three days? or? Well, it used to be 36 hours. And then last year, I think it went to 24. But we didn't change our marketing to 24 because I didn't want that pressure sure. <laughs> of having to go back and change everything from 24 to, oh, now we're 30 and confuse people. So we just keep it at 30 now. And the whole idea there is to show that you're being productive, that you're selling more than one home a year. Correct. And so someone listening is only selling 30, 40, 50 homes a year. They can do the same thing. They Absolutely. just raise it in, in a way that makes them look good. Right. Selling a house a week. Right. So yeah, that's still for a lot of people. That's very impressive to the public. And the public has no reference. They don't even know what to, it's, to compare it to. So it all sounds good, right? Exactly. That's cool. Uh, so I like that you're promoting that. I like you're promoting the vehicle. We'll come back to the vehicles and talk about those in a minute. But let's stay on these radio ads. Um, tell us more about the content of the ad. How, how often are you running an ad and what's the topic? Well, the topic, we either, they just mix them up for us. So we don't say at this day and time run this specific ad. So I may go in and, and do two new buyer commercials, two new seller commercials, and then they just mix them up because I'm not that big of a control freak. I just let them do their job on that end. And if it's working on my end, it's fine. How often are you recording a new ad? Probably just once every six months. I kind of like the repetition and people hearing the same thing over and over. And then on one of the radio stations, we have the um, host who um, calls, we're one of the sponsors for his show. So he calls our name out a lot. Do you get a better response when you do that type of ad where you have one of the radio DJs talking with you? You do. I, we do, but it's definitely more expensive. I'm sure it is. So, what, what is your call? Well, you mentioned the call to action that you, they have this opportunity to get a moving vehicle or, and mm -hmm. how many homes you sell. Do you ask them to call? Do you ask them to go to your website? We uh, send them to our website, which is calltammy.com. So it's fairly easy for people to remember. Just go to calltammy.com. That's calltammy.com. <laughs> That's Very how it's nice. <laughs> and so um, do you make any offers uh, in there, like a free market analysis, free list of homes, free home search, or is, it, or is it just generic, hey, give me a call and I'll help you get a home or help you sell one? I think it's more generic. I probably should have a call to action, but I don't. Um, the thing is, we're marketing in the St. Louis market, and we're Illinois, so we, if we were in St. Louis doing St. Louis commercials, I can't even imagine how much business we would get, because we're on the Illinois side. I think we get more diluted, or if we were licensed in both states, it would make so much sense to be licensed, but it's just also a lot more effort. Yeah, that's really a lot of effort in right now. <laughs> You're running radio and it's going out to markets that aren't yours. So I assume you're getting leads in St. Louis. And you mentioned earlier you're referring those out. Is that what's happening when they Well, we see, here's, the, here's where we may be going wrong too, is we will say that we're in Illinois on the Metro East side. If we didn't say that, then I think we would have the referrals coming in. I think you should do that. Just be very generic. <laughs> Just leave it generic. It's going out. Same cost. Get the referrals. Right. Then I'm just again, as I like honest as the day is long, so I just like to be so clear about things. I appreciate that. This is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's helpful, by the way, I'm kind of taking a step back, but it's helpful for people who are listening because they're thinking, look at Tammy. She's doing all this business and she's doing some things that she could change or improve upon. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Uh, we nobody could do has many to be perfect. Right. This is great. Very nice. Um, thank you for walking us through the radio ads. Now, I understand you're also doing some uh, magazine ads. What are you doing there? So we have our own magazine. So we have a 24-page color magazine. It's beautiful. And the great thing about it is it doesn't cost us anything because we have advertisers within the magazine who pick up the cost of it. Now, we would, at the end of the day, we do have the cost of designing it. So we have a full-time marketing person who puts her time and effort into that. But we have to pay her anyway because she's full-time. So um, what? And then we deliver them 
to the different places as well. And we also insert them into um, newspapers, into the local papers. So um, the cost for us is really just our time. So tell us more about this distribution. How many are you printing up? We print 15,000 every quarter. 15,000, you're doing this quarterly. Um, so you got 15,000 units. How many people live in your area? How many households? Let's go households. So, oh, households. That's a good, I don't know. I know that we have in our county about 25,000 people. So probably ballpark, maybe 10,000 households. Right. So you're making enough to go out to all the households with this magazine. Well, that is in just Monroe County, but then we work four counties. So we don't hit everybody in our county because we're also hitting the other. We're hitting Madison and St. Clair County as well. And um, you said you're distributing them how? You're, you're bringing them over to the grocery store and putting them in the racks? Or are you putting them in newspapers? Are we, you mailing them out? So we have them in grocery stores. Somebody distributes them to the grocery stores because we have to pay for rack space there. And then we pay the newspaper to put them in their papers. And we, pick, we rotate which papers we want them in as well. And then we may physically deliver them to maybe 100 locations. And they may be nail salons, hair salons, restaurants, things like that. Who's printing this for you? Oh, um, record printing, I believe it is. Record printing in Millstadt, Illinois, maybe? I can find out exactly, but oh, I believe awesome. that's who it is because I write the check and they don't take it. <laughs> you know where that cash goes. Right. Um, but this is really neat. So, uh, this is an older idea. It kind of goes back to some farming. You've, you've done a twist on it. You're doing mm -hmm. delivery. 24 pages. It's 15,000. That's a that's a bit, pretty big commitment, even though you've zero-based it. Right. Uh, you still have to do the time. Is it bringing in business? It does. And so we know that it's bringing in business because we have the IVR system. And we know when that code is put into the IVR that they're calling off the magazine. And it really helps us on the listing side. So we know we're getting buyers off of it, but it's a really great listing tool as well. Right. When you go out to meet a seller, you can say, hey, you're going to be in this magazine. It gets right. distributed to 15,000 people. And so that's a great sell on that end. And then you're also generating the buyer leads when they call in on um, the properties that are listed in the magazine. So inside the magazine, is it just a, a series of your listings? What's inside there? So we have all of our listings. The more expensive ones we'll highlight and give them bigger ads, maybe half page ads. And then we have like a recipe, a crossword puzzle, maybe a kid project. And then the ads from the different people. We may have like a florist, a financial advisor, daycare, things like that. Uh, very good. How long have you been doing that? I think it's been at least five years. Five years, so it must be working if you're continuing it. We are, right, absolutely. Very good. Right. Um, now, you've mentioned uh, the vehicles. Let's talk about the vehicles. What do you got going there? Do you just have a moving truck? So I love the vehicles because it's a moving billboard, and it doesn't cost me a fortune every month. So we have three moving trucks, and we have one car for the photographer, and then each of our buyer agents who want one, they get a, if they're either Jeep Renegades or Jeep um, Patriots that they drive. And some of our agents just want more luxury, so they don't want to drive our cars. <laughs> but that's okay, too. <laughs> um, so they drive them everywhere. And so it costs me, those Patriots, I think, cost me $15,000 each. And I think the Renegades might have been 18000 each. And so I just wait until I have the cash to buy them. I buy it and then I get them wrapped or the more recent ones we've just been putting our logo on and then me on the back of the, the back window. Um, but they're great. It's a great billboard. And then people think it's me driving it. So they get close to it and they're waving and then they go, uh, they're like, that's not Tammy. <laughs> wow. That's kind of a joke with our agents. That's pretty cool, though. So these vehicles are driving all over town. Right. I assume when they're parked, you try to park them near the street so people see them again. As you mentioned, right. it's a moving billboard. Right, right. Uh, how about the uh, insurance on these things? 
I think they, you know what, they're not, it's not crazy. Um, I'm thinking maybe like 700 a year, if that. You, you do that through your normal insurance carrier and they just well, put it on a business plan? Right. I just have it through, um, I don't even know what company it's through, but right. It's just through, so the, the vehicles, the Jeeps are all through just a regular business plan, but the moving trucks are a little more challenging. So those run us about 1300 a year per moving truck. Okay. And we do have issues. The moving truck is not perfect. It has issues because you have people like we were supposed to have it in the parade this weekend, this past weekend, and we got there to pick it up and it wasn't there. The person who had it on Tuesday just decided to keep it <laughs> all the way through Monday. And so um, that can be a problem. Or they've taken it to Texas. And I'm like, where's the truck? Somebody's waiting for it. Oh, we're in Texas. You weren't supposed to take it to Texas. <laughs> well, we just thought we would. Right. So they're not perfect, but for the most part, most people are respectful and most people um, love it. They love it. And, and even you, more, you get, more, the people who hire movers still may use our truck to just move their little things or their personal things that they don't want movers to touch. How about the uh, reservation? Do you have a reservation system? How do you yeah. make sure for one person or the other has it? It's going in and out properly. Right. So we have, we have systems. There's a system for everything. So we have a moving truck book, all three, we do print out a calendar for the month and we label all three trucks on each day. So we know if somebody's taken out the white truck, the yellow truck or the Fairview truck because it's located in Fairview Heights, which is the reason we didn't know it was missing until we got there because it's not at our current location. And, um, and then we tell them that they can have it for one full day, but we can always put them down for two days, but if somebody else needs it, then we're going to call them and ask them which day they want to give up. Um, and that's why we went to three trucks just because the first one was being booked all the time. Then the second one was booked all the time. And then we needed the third. And then they have paperwork that they have to fill out. They have to show us a copy of their insurance card or give us a copy of their insurance card and their driver's license each time because they could have gotten their driver's license taken away because they got a DUI or something. So that's why every single time we have to get that new paperwork. Smart. And then we've had it totaled once. Uh -oh. and we were lucky that nobody was hurt. And um, you have people that run over things and a pop tire. And it's just the cost of doing business though, but it's worth it. <laughs> right. And this is a marketing. <laughs> it really experience. is actually. <laughs> and how, how long have you been doing vehicles? You, you, you like this approach. I assume you've been doing this a while. So we've been doing the moving truck since 2003. That's when we got the first one. And probably about a year or two later, we got a Volkswagen bug. And then that thing got retired quite a few years ago. Um, and then, so really since 2003 was the first time we got the vehicle. 16 years. It must be working. Right. Uh, it must it be spreading the, the word there and getting it out. Uh, real fast then on the wrap, what's on the wrap? Is it just the name of the team? Does it have your picture on it? What's going on there? So everything, unfortunately, has my picture on it. I wish it didn't, but it does. And it's how people remember me. Um, but it also makes it so I can't get a new hairstyle or a new color, <laughs> things like that. Um, so the older ones, and the moving truck has a big picture of me, maybe four and a half foot, five foot tall. And... Um, the, and they're all, they all look the same. So it's the same picture on every vehicle. And gosh, it's just house, there's house stuff over it. I, I don't know if I have it on my website or not. I can always get you pictures of them too. But now the newer ones like the Black Renegades have silver Tammy Mitchell Heinz and Company logos on the sides. I think calltammy.com maybe on the front. And then a picture of me and what we usually put on a billboard on the back window. Very nice. Very nice. Um, tell us, uh, tell us, let's switch gears again now. Let's talk about the team. Could you okay. tell us about the team? Could you tell us what, let's start with the structure and what we're looking for is kind of a, an organizational chart with uh, titles and responsibilities, how many people in each position. So we can kind okay. of get a big picture view. Okay. So we have my listing partner who takes all the listings. Doesn't matter what County she does all the listings and, um, she has her responsibilities that go along with that. She does have a, our, we have um, Sarah, who is wonderful at taking care of all of those sellers for Jane. 
So when somebody comes calls in, if Jane's at an appointment, then Sarah can also take over and it's on her voicemail. Hey, call Sarah if you need to. She's an office assistant and she's amazing, but she also helps Jane. And then we have um, the five buyer agents and they only work with buyers or six buyer agents and they only work with buyers. And then they have a buyer agent coordinator as well um, who takes care of the buyer stuff. So everybody has their own responsibilities. And then we have our photographer, full-time photographer who does photography, but also assists with the marketing. We have a full-time marketing person and what else? I think that's it. Great. And then you have an office manager. So that would also be Sarah who's, um, helps Jane out. She, Sarah, if you need anything, you just go to Sarah. Sarah's got it. She's <laughs> awesome. Covered. Yeah. Very nice. And what do you do with the team now? What's your responsibility? So I do the training. We have meetings every Wednesday. I make sure the financials are taken care of. I work with the marketing department. And then I have to be out in the public too. So <laughs> you're the face of the brand, right? Right. But I'll tell you, I really miss working with the buyers and the sellers. That's what I really loved to do. But now that I have a family, because we waited 10 years, we were married 10 years before we had our first child and then 15 for our second child. So now I have a 12 year old and a seven year old. So to have a better family life, because real estate's hard on a family life. I just, not working buyers and sellers makes that life much easier. How long have you been out of production? Well, every once in a while I have to go back in if something happens with my listing partner, but um, I haven't done listings in at least three years. And when I did, I had only done it for a year because I had a listing partner before that. And I haven't worked with buyers since 2007. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you've, you've moved to kind of a fifth or sixth level business where it's kind of running without you. You're, right. you're still touching it and being part of it. Right. Sounds like if you chose to, though, you could hire a, a CEO and you could completely step out and have a seventh level business. Does that sound correct? I could, but that would just freak me out. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy being there and being part of it. I do. Actually, I do. I don't know what I would do if I wasn't at work. So, yeah. You're, you have with your agents, let's talk about your agents for a minute. You've got a buyer agent specifically working with buyers and you have a listing agent specifically working with sellers. Uh, that's an older model that works very well. Uh, have you ever uh, experimented with a, a different model where, say, an agent's working with both buyers and sellers? And if so, why not? So we've, we've thought about it. And Jane, my listing partner, is one of these people who can be with a seller and start selling that seller on one of her other listings because she's great at matching them up. But when I say, hey, you could also work buyers, what do you think about that? She wants nothing to do with it. So, um, and my buyer agents really, really like just working buyers and they don't like anything on the seller side. So right now it works. Um, we've thought about when we're expanding, our next position will be Madison County. And when we do that, we may need somebody to do both. And we've thought about it, but we just haven't taken that step yet. So you set it up this way. It's working great. The model's working. Why, why um, mix up the apple cart? Right. But the model of having a team is not always perfect either because I definitely have had my, my ups and downs with having a team because number one, they don't always do it the way you do it. You tell them they need to do it the way you do it, but they don't listen. Um, so I've had, I, right now I have an amazing team, but I've had teams in the past who want to do it their way and they don't want anything to do with what I have to offer. And that's hard. Um, you also have people who are not loyal. So you, they get their pipeline and then they think they can just leave with your pipeline of people, of buyers and customers that you paid all that money for. So what we did do um, for two reasons, we got office cell phones for all of our agents so that when they leave, those calls still come back into our office cell phone. But also now they can leave on vacation and leave that cell phone with somebody else at the office and actually have a vacation away without being interrupted. So oh, it's yeah. too cool. But it costs a lot. I mean, we have like a, almost a $600 cell phone bill every month because of that. 
but you're controlling and protecting your business. So that makes sense. I've it's done a, a long time to past. learn. Yes. And they, and all their emails are their name at calltammy.com. They don't have their own Gmail account or anything like that. When you hire uh, the staff, the, the staff and the agents, uh, do you have them sign a contract or an agreement so that yes. these things are all spelled out so that they can't just run away with all the clients? There is an agreement that they sign, but they still don't think it applies. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so not, I have to say, in the last four years, I've gotten much smarter about the way I do it. And so it's a much stronger contract than it was before. Sure. I finally figured it out, basically. <laughs> good. Well, and then it helps to get really good people to begin with, right? So I, that's does, probably correct. what you've, you've done as well is you figured out how to bring in good talent that also has core values that match yours. Right. But here's the thing, too. That's not a perfect process. You think somebody, they say all the right things in the interview, but then when you start to see them work, their idea of working hard and your idea of working hard is not the same. So our joke is it's kind of like throwing a dart. Right. <laughs> you just don't even know where it's going to land. So we'll just try it. Just try to narrow it down a little bit. Right. Well, let's, let me ask right. one other question. Values. Let me ask you one other question about uh, your agents. Because when people are setting up teams, they have this, this confusion. It's the biggest frustration for them. And that is, how do you compensate agents? Would you mind telling us what your compensation structure is? So all of our buyer agents are on a 50-50 split. And since we're not a franchise, we have nothing off the top for franchise fee. So it's just flat 50-50. If they've been here 10 years, it doesn't matter. They're still on 50-50. It doesn't matter if they sold 10 million versus 2 million. It's 50-50. It's just easy for me. Um, and then our listing partner, because there's so much more that the office does for the listing partner and has to employ the photographer and um, really has almost a personal assistant, she's on a, it depends on what market she's working in, but either a, she gets 30% or 35%. So she gets 35 if she's having to drive to St. Clair County because it's a much further drive. Makes sense. Very yeah. good. And that model's working for you. It works. Uh, very good. Now, recruiting agents though, so we've lost a few in the last two years to another company because they say, well, we'll pay you 70%. But here's the problem. 70% of nothing is nothing. 50% of a lot is a lot. <laughs> right. So we lost one of our agents and the only closings that he's had are the ones that he took from us, which will hopefully get compensated here shortly on that. Um, but he's closed nothing on his own. It's so hard to watch we, that year after year, huh? When that right, so, happens. Right. So we, we spend so much money on the marketing side of it that the agents are very well fed. So 50%, they just have to get over the number and look at the big picture. Let's talk about that. You, you, we've, you've heard about your business. You got a lot of marketing going on. You got a lot of people running around and people out there are going to be wondering, are you profitable? Oh yeah. Well, let me say it this way. I get paid a salary and then dividends so if for some reason the checkbook's on the lower side, then I just don't take a paycheck. And if it's on the higher side, then I can actually, what I, I don't change my salary, but um, if it's on the higher side, I'll go back and those that I missed, I'll pay myself for. Um, but I also take it and reinvest that money. So I don't give myself more money when I, when the checkbook's higher, I just reinvest it into automobiles or better equipment, whatever it is. And we have a nice looking office. So I like it to feel like a house rather than an office. So it's all about reinvesting it too and doing, doing more marketing or moving into another market because five, right at five years ago, we moved into another market. So we have a secondary office now and we want to get a third office in the next county. So that's where, what we're headed for. Very nice. And um, so people have an idea when they're planning. Could you give an idea of what kind of um, net margin they're looking for? And we're looking for a percentage. What kind of net should they see coming to the bottom line? You mean off of it, one in particular marketing item? So or... let's say, let me ask it a different way. So you're making a profit. What's your, your net profit margin, your percentage? Let me think about this for a second. Um, I think it's right at 30%. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, especially with such a big group. 
Right. And that's taking into account my salary. That includes your salary? Right. Okay, good. Thank you for so. letting us know that. Maybe it's a little, actually, it might be a little bit more. It might be more like 35 then if it includes my salary. And I'm guessing that that number is a little higher than what I normally hear because you're getting a lot of uh, co-op marketing. You're having other right. uh, companies come in and help with some of the marketing. Right. And, um, and I'm pretty lean in, what, in the way I run it. I'm pretty lean. Like I'm always looking at numbers. Let's talk about some of that co-branding real fast just for one minute. Uh, how are you getting people to help you out with the marketing? Who are they and how would you put that together? So we have some builders that want to advertise in our magazine because the thing is we may, and we don't charge them a lot of money. So a business card size ad to get out to 15,000 different people is only a hundred dollar, right? $102. I think it is for those three months and a wow. half size half page ad is 500 for those three months. So it's not super expensive to reach the people that they want to reach. And it's usually something to do with home. So maybe a carpet cleaner investor, um, we have several um, lenders, but if those lenders aren't doing a good job for our clients, they come out. We don't care about the money at the end of the day. It's about servicing the clients. Very nice. So yeah, that's that magazine that's going out. And because it's going out to so many households, you have a lot of different people that would want to advertise in that. Right. And, and they're truly a pure advertisement, right? Correct. Yep. That's a smart way to go. I like it. Well, Tammy, what drives you? What drives me? You know what? Customer service. I just want to give great service. And that's what I've always believed in. That's what I built my business on. And, you know, if somebody wants something, see how we can make it happen. And having a positive attitude and a smile and energy. I have less energy today than I used to, but <laughs> I'm older. <laughs> But I think people want people who have energy and enthusiasm and who are excited about helping them find a house or helping them sell a house. And it's always focused on the people at the end of the day. Very good. Tammy, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Ooh, get magnets or get your car lettered up would be one of the first things that I would do because you can do that for a few hundred dollars. I would do open houses, and when I did the open houses, I'd probably knock on or hang stuff on doors. I'd find a farm area, and I would farm it, which I'm not, we're, we just did that this past spring. We farmed an area where we hung stuff on doors. The whole team got out there, and we had it done in like 20 minutes. Um, but the basics, don't spend a lot of money, but be present. Do as much floor duty as you can always get back to people. And this was the best advice I ever received from an agent. And it was early on. She said, no matter what, always call the people back as fast as you can. And I still believe that that needs to happen. And then when you call them, it's like, Hey, Joe, how are you? Hey, thanks so much for calling. And it's just being, being so enthusiastic with them. Now I may, I may get on, you know, people's nerves too. But for me, it's always, and I can kind of read people. So if I feel like I'm a little over the top, I'll, I'll like bring it down a little bit. <laughs> and then I would always hear, are you always this happy? And I'm like, no, just ask my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Oh. Well, Tammy, this has been great. I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Oh, gosh. I think just um, love what you do because it shows always, you know, whatever your clients are looking for, help take it one step further for them. Do that plus one in service and um, make sure that they know it's not about selling them a house. It's about what works for them at the end of the day, because I can't tell you how many times I would tell people, Hey, if this isn't the house for you, we'll find another one. And I think that releases them to know that you're just not in it for the sale, but you're in it for them. Good advice. Very good. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us on Success Calls. Hey, thank you for inviting me. It was great, Mike. Uh, thank you, Tammy. See you Thanks. later. Bye-bye. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment.
I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Bye.